Hey everyone, and welcome to the Training Ground Podcast with your host, Kevin Barry. In this episode, Kevin is speaking with Thomas Croke. Thomas played in League of Ireland for over seven years with Wexford and Waterford and recently transitioned to coaching full-time as an assistant coach for FK Gintra, a powerhouse women's soccer team in Lithuania. Today they'll be discussing how he was able to play full-time football while studying at college, why he returned to his hometown club in the League of Ireland, his move to Lithuania and his experience coaching in professional women's soccer, what his playing and coaching future might look like, and his advice to youth soccer players who want to fulfill a dream of playing professionally. Thomas, I appreciate you coming on the Training Ground Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. It's great to be here, Kev. been the past 10 years. I know. So the last time we talked was a long time back. Um, I was moving to America to play soccer, and uh, you ended up soon after going um, into semi-pro. Uh, but before you did that, uh, can you talk about um, how you got involved in football from the university aspect and some of the training courses you were doing? I know you were down in Cork. Um, working yeah. um, full-time down there as well. So what were those first experiences like for you? Yeah, I think when I finished school, I was just 16, and, you know, I, I didn't know where life was going to take me or what college course I wanted to decide on. So this force course that they ran in Cork um, allowed full-time training. Um, everything was based around soccer, so it was a big pull for me uh, to be 17 and first time leaving leaving home. So I went to down there with Mick Conroy, you ex-Celtic player um, he was running the, the course down there so I knew throughout the course I get my coaching badges my basic gym instruction and I was able to train full-time and to be paid for it so at 17 uh, to me that was a dream um, but that was the first first course I went on when I left school and yeah look it's had been a great decision um, mm. something I look back on with fond memories too you know yeah when you were in that first course so um you came back most weekends to play at the same time, right? So your setup yeah. was you would train every day and then play for your own team at the weekends. Was that everybody was doing that or was that kind of what your routine was specifically? No, that's that's what that's what most players down there did. Actually, I was on the uh, player on the course was Kevin Long and he was the captain of that Cork City team that beat us in the Munster final and turned us cross that year. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he was the same. I think he was training at the same time with... The Foss group, he was with the Cork on our 20s and then he would go play his game on the weekend too. So mm-hmm. I think that really benefited me that year, to be honest. It was probably um, probably one of the best years I had over the course of it because training full-time and then being able to return to Bowes on the weekend was was uh, was brilliant, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you came out at then, you had certifications in personal training and fitness. Um, while you were taking that course, were you thinking, like, I want to play professionally or kind of where did that come from down the road from there? Yeah, to be honest, aspirations at the start of that season and um, starting to go down to that force was I was going to go play professionally somewhere. You know, I still had that dream as a younger kid to to reach for the stars, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know whether you remember, again, as probably my career will tell you, I picked up an injury halfway through that year. We played Cove Ramblers in the, the quarterfinal of that Munster Cup. And we were 2 nil up, and I reached for a tackle I probably shouldn't have reached for. And um, I hurt the ankle, and that kind of put things on the back burner then again, you know, because mm-hmm. I spent about three or four months rehabbing that ankle. And then the doubt started to creep into the mind whether, the body's going to be able to take this full-time training and 
especially after the couple of injuries, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I do remember that now that you talk about it. Um, so can you tell me about your transition to um, IT Carlo and what you studied there and how long you were there for? Yeah, well, that kind of came about a couple of years later. Um, after that first course I did, I actually went into full-time work for two years in retail. Um, I think the money in from the first course and stuff, I started to enjoy having the money in my pocket and your mind starts to stray away from the, from the sports side of it a little bit. Um, but then Gary Power and Mick Luby, two FAI workers, got in touch with me and said there was an internship going with the FAI. Would I be interested in it? So I got to shadow them for a year and, you know, it really spurred my my power and my, um, my ambition to work with the FAI, you know. So um, the year shadowing them, they said you probably should go to Carlo and do a four-year or three-year course that will prepare you for work within the FAI or within some sport sporting organization so yeah that kind of pushed me then toward carlo um like you said you had paddy carey on uh, previously on the podcast and he was just about finishing the course so he recommended me to go there and put in a good word with the the course leader so i don't know kind of just felt like that was the right move to make after the internship and especially you know paddy's a great coach and a great person so if he was recommending me to go there you know you have to take that advice from someone like paddy that's an easy decision, yeah. Uh, how similar was that um, for you compared to the FOSS course? Was it a similar structure as far as playing and what you studied? Yeah, it was. It was the FOSS course, uh, FETAC level five, and then obviously the Carlo was a level eight. So it was a big jump um, in the coursework. It was the, yeah, the academic side was a little bit more demanding. Um, footballing was more or less the same. I was in with a good group. We, I think we had about seven or eight League of Ireland players that were on the course at the time in in my year and maybe 15 or 16 over the three years. So training sessions were competitive. I think they actually looked at maybe making IT Carlo a League of Ireland team at that time because I think the majority of us, you know, were playing first team football and they could have made a squad out of it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the transition was good. I had some good friends uh, a couple of boys I played at Wexford are, were in the same class as me, so I'm sure that made things easy enough for me, you know? Yeah. Um, as far as, like, the coaching goes, because I, I know that course was driven on soccer, basically, um, what certifications or experience did that allow on the coaching side for you at IT Carlo? Yeah, well, before I went in there, um, from that core, core force course, uh, I got my kickstart one and two on my youths are down there. So... Again, at the time I wanted to play, coaching was kind of an idea that was burning back there somewhere. But, yeah. you know, I, I didn't have my mind set on coaching just yet. To be honest with you, I kind of felt like it was a little bit of a pain to go coaching at that stage because I wanted to be out playing. I would much prefer mm-hmm. to train than be the trainer. Yeah. Um, but again, looking back on it, and people told me at the time, this is Santi, you know, in five, ten years' time, you're going to be so happy with what you've done, so... I kind of put the head down, started to enjoy it a little bit more. And when you finish the IT Carlo course, the, one of the main goals is you got is to get your B license. Um, and it's finished on the final phase of your third year, you go and you get your B, B license assessment. And I was lucky enough to get to get mine. So mm-hmm. that was another feather to, to the cap. And look, it's it stood to me again because that they've given me the opportunity to go coaching around the world. Stage. Yeah, no, that's fantastic because there's a lot of people that are, you know, similar to our age, like 28 to 30, that are kind of, you know, they're at their peak of football or they're just passing and 
they don't have any experience to to fall back on as such. But you really set yourself up well, like you said, with your international travel and I know your coaching experience, um, which we'll get into as well. So fair play yeah. on that. Um, so what was the timing like for you playing in League of Ireland football? Because I know you, you played with the local team, Waterford United at the time, and then you were playing with Wexford as well. Um, which team were you playing with first and kind of – what was the timeline just of, of events there? Because I know you've been in the League of Ireland for over five years, I think seven or nine yeah. years. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we're talking maybe seven seasons played and then one kind of hit and miss where I was injured for the majority of the season. But I played um, the start of Waterford on our 20s. Um, Paul O'Brien was the manager at the time. And I spent two years out there and then nothing came from it. I never was offered a contract afterwards. So a little bit disheartened, like, Kind of went back to Bowes with the tailor between my legs and uh, I went and played Oscar Trainer the year I came back. Did well in the Oscar Trainer with Waterford and um, the offer kind of came from Wexford to come in for a pre-season. Uh, that was back in 2012. Um, so yeah, look, I, I never saw myself playing anywhere else but Waterford. It was League of Ireland, but when Wexford came, it was, it was a good opportunity to, you know, to make that step up to League of Ireland football. Mm. Um, I spent two years there with, with Shane Keegan um, the second year was a lot better I think I played something like the 20 games or the 28 league games I actually stayed injury free that year which yeah. was which is fantastic for me mm. um, and I had such a good season then that Rennie got in touch with me and said look Waterford would like to have you for the following season so for me at that point Wexford were so good to me and it was difficult to leave but Waterford was always the ambition for me coming through as a kid and you know when that uh, call came through I had to take a chance on it um, looking back on it now it wasn't probably the best uh, decision that I've ever made uh, I was diff it was difficult to break into that team it was more established there was a lot of older um, yeah a lot of older mature players there and I was that young kid that was trying to break through you know and, yeah well, halfway through that year, I finally broke through. I think I played 14 games that season. But on the way to play a Cove game on a Saturday afternoon, I was in a car crash on the way to meet the bus. Um, and that set me back about five or six months. I actually played a game about a month and a half afterwards against Cove in the league. And I scored and I played centre-back 90 minutes Felt great playing the game, but for about two weeks after, I couldn't move. Back just seized up. Hamstrings were sore. You know the way it is. If something goes, the mm -hmm. body starts to ache, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was actually the second last game of the season, so I, I didn't play a game after that one. Um, I got myself right over Christmas, and the first college game of, I don't know, I think it was 2015, again, reached for a tackle. I probably shouldn't have. First game back, eager to impress, and I broke the ankle. Yeah, so. uh, I think it's worth knowing to our listeners that as a centre midfielder, you're probably on a more physical side. Like that was one of your your best traits. Um, a, yeah. a lot of coaches love that. Um, so I have had a previous injury myself where I missed uh, ten or eleven months. Um, how was that for you personally? Like, did it kind of did it put you in a bad spot, as in kind of an identity crisis, or you know, like what's the next move from here? Yeah, I think it did because, like I said, I picked up so many ankle injuries from, I had a serious one at 15, which started it off, and then one at 17 when we were with Bose and we had that great year at the Monster Cup. 
So the car crash was difficult for me mentally. Um, I think my parents deserve a lot of credit for picking me up after that because I really did doubt it. I, I thought I was finished, to be honest, which I I slept on the floor for about two months. I think just uh, I couldn't even sleep in the bed. It had to be a hard surface. I thought I was finished, to be honest. I lost, I lost a lot of muscle mass. I wasn't eating right. Uh, yeah, the brain was really, really fried at that stage. But my mom and dad picked me up. My dad was always one, you know, he'd give you some advice if you needed it, but he was hard on you at other times, which was good for me. You know, he pushed me to, to be back on the pitch. And, you know, if you love it and you want to do it, you got to pick yourself back up. Yeah. The ankle injury then afterwards, that was probably the lowest point that I was after being at because I had just come out of a whole rehab. I felt great. Um, my back was great. I was starting to put on. I think I had gone back up to about 82 kg, which I got up from about 76. And I was muscle. I was down to about 5% body fat. I was looking forward to a college season. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just, just overreached for that tackle. And I can still remember that that day in the, the change room in IT Carlo. I was carried back in. And I just thought, that's probably the last time I put boots on, you know? Yeah. And like you were saying, um, previous to that, you were just kind of establishing yourself as a first team player as well, right? So, yeah, I, I just, like, just captained them in the Monster Cup who played against Avondale or something in the RSC. And it was my first time captain in, in Waterford at 20, I think I was 22 at the time. And I just, you know, at that point, when you, you come back into the changing room, you think, wow, where, where is this going to go? You know, the sky's the limit on this. And, you know, you got to, that euphoria feeling that you can't beat. And I've never experienced it anywhere else other than, it, than the change room, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I'm with you there. The injury that I had actually was coincidentally first game of the season as well. And uh, this was in college. So we played um, September to November. And like you were saying over Christmas, for me, it was over summer. You're training yeah. all summer. I actually stayed in America my first year to play on a team and I felt like you know we're ready to go and it just it just wasn't to be um so at that point when you did get back from injury um how long did it take you overall and were you thinking about coaching from when you did get injured that second time yeah the second time I got injured I started working with the academy in Bose so our local club um I started trying to give something back. It was more so to keep my mind. It was a selfish act, really, for me. I was just trying to keep some way involved in sport, some way the brain ticking over, some way of still seeing the game from, you know, obviously not been on the pitch, but from the sideline, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there was another... I had one final setback in that series of setbacks was Roddy Collins took over at Waterford the following year. So when my ankle rehab had gone well and I just got myself back right, I went into pre-season with Roddy down in Waterford. And um, after about four or five weeks, I started to find my feet, but it was slow. You know the way it is when you come back from an injury. And especially my one altogether was maybe close on a year and a half to two years. So it was slow. I was a little bit hesitant about going into that tackle. And like you said, that's my game, you know. If I can spot a tackler, I can be physical with somebody to win the ball back, to turn it over. That's that's me. But I was a little bit hesitant. I was two yards off, then I was a yard off, and I probably stood out like a sore thumb in a League of Ireland pre-season camp, you know. And um, I thought he had a little bit of faith in me. I thought he would leave me get back right, but he came to me about two weeks. Actually, it wasn't. It was two days before the transfer window closed. So I had two days to sign with Waterford for a different club, and he just said, look, Crokey said, I don't think it's going to be this year. Maybe we'll reassess in the summer. Yeah. So I was kind of left two days beforehand at no club. The 
junior window had closed, so I couldn't even go back play junior at the time. So I had to spend another two or three months before I could go back to Bowes again. So, yeah. I forgot, about, I forgot about that timeline because I think we, when we both played um, Watford under 20s, we were in the same boat for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're trying to get back to the club. Um, <clears throat> from there, I think the timeline is going to be a little bit more extended from there until you get to you know your first full-time coaching position. Um, can you talk us through that transition out of playing uh, League of Ireland football and kind of finding your feet in Lithuania of all places? Yeah, of course. It's always a good story when you can involve a country like Lithuania, you know. Um, so my final year with Wexford was 2000... No, sorry, let's go back to 2008. I met a girl from Hawaii, McKenna Davidson. She was playing with the women's side in, in Wexford. So I don't have to get into too much detail, but we passed each other at training and we hit it off. So I continued to play at the end of the 2018 season and she returned to Hawaii. So she came back to me in Ireland in 2019 and we lived together. Um, I went and played the full season with the men's side. She played with the women's side. Uh, the women actually played FK Gintra from Lithuania in a Champions League game. Um, Gintra would have been the seeded number one in the group and Wexford would have been seeded number three so Gintra yeah. would have been the stronger one on paper but um, McKenna scored against Gintra and she assisted the winner so two teams didn't go through the actual fourth seed in the group went through that year but at the end of the season Gintra got in touch with McKenna and asked would she be interested in coming to Lithuania uh, to, work, to play professional soccer so in Ireland, women's soccer isn't supported so much. They're not paid. They don't get expenses. So it was kind of a no-brainer for her to, to take this opportunity to go play professionally. Absolutely. So I said to her, you know, I've got that EU uh, passport, so I can work wherever we go. So I knew that I could pick up a club in Lithuania. First off, I was going to play. I wasn't even thinking about coaching there. Mm -hmm. um, but when we arrived and the way um, things happened with COVID, I went into pre-season camp with two different clubs while we arrived there in February. Um, and two of them offered me a contract, but it just meant that I would have to live in a different city than she was living in. So it didn't really make sense from being Lithuania, strange country for both of us, and then yeah. for both of us to have to live two hours away from each other. Halfway across the world as it is, uh, especially exactly. for your club. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was a decision that we made on it. Um, Gintra kind of approached me and asked me, they knew that I had a great B license and they knew that I had been around semi-pro and pro soccer for seven to nine years, you know. So they just asked me, look, would I come in and do a session with the girls and to see how things go? I did one session with them and they just approached me after and said, look, can you come in as assistant coach? More so head coach. We, we had a manager who would manage uh, game days, but they needed somebody to come in and manage day-to-day -day coaching, you know, put together a weekly plan, strength and conditioning plan, recovery. And they knew then as me as an ex-player that I would understand what the girls needed and what the, what the body needed. So, yeah, kind of just, again, that came together. So we were able to live in the same city. I was able to push up the coaching ladder um, and, you know, the first coaching gig you get to get a professional gig out of it, it's, it's unheard of. So yeah. I just grabbed, grabbed it with both hands and uh, it was such an experience. Oh, that's excellent. Was When you first got there then, were with the team in pre-season or were they on hold from COVID? What was the situation there? When we arrived, we actually flew into Potsdam in Germany. The team were going to play a, an indoor tournament in Germany, so it was the start of their pre-season camp. Um, 
we got about six weeks into that preseason camp, and then COVID kind of happened, and Lithuania were doing a lot better than the rest of Europe at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were allowed to train for maybe about three or four weeks after, and then cases started to rise, and we spent just on our three months in lockdown. So it was a difficult time. Absolutely, I can imagine. I've had previous guests um, that have been to Israel, Germany, a couple other places, um, one kind of out in America. But what was the day-to-day experience like for you? Was there much of a language barrier or kind of how did you get by um, outside yeah. of coaching? Yeah, well, there's a story to it too because the, the coach there or the, the manager, he didn't have much English. So that was my first like obstacle that I had to face was we needed an interpreter between both of us. And then we needed somebody who was able to understand soccer tech, uh, you know, terminology because, you know, you get somebody who's only relaying half a message back and then it's, it's more confusion being caused, you know. Mm-hmm. But I met a friend there. Um, he was actually the physio for the team and uh, he was able to speak both languages. So he was kind of the goal between, between both of us. Um, on a day-to-day basis, yeah, the language barrier was crazy, you know. And it's not a language that, you know, if you go to Spain, you know, maybe you have to get by, or Germany, you know, how to get by. But I had never heard a Lithuanian word before in my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, you pick up the things like hello and thank you, and you can maybe order some food in it by the end. And please don't ask me because the accent will be terrible. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, look, it was an experience, you know, I think... Looking back on it, I don't think we're going to go back there, but it's just what an experience it was, you know, um, especially in, in, a, in a COVID year when people were, were uh, restricted with travel and stuff. We got to see so many countries. We got to experience. It didn't even feel like I had a lockdown, to be honest with you. Yeah. So just kind of going off of that, um, when you're in a full-time coaching position um, for the first time, how do you break down that day as far as training sessions like what time would you train at when would you come up with training plans and is there any other things that you know some people wouldn't realize as far as administrative stuff or means that you would have behind the scenes yeah well to, to be fairness in fairness um as a player i never really understood the role of the, i understood the role of a coach and i appreciate it but i didn't really understand the work that goes in behind the scenes um you know that like you said preparation work weekly plans even down to the detail of a session, what you're trying to get out of it, what's the accomplishment here, what's the goal. Um, I normally turned up, enjoyed the training, and then helped put away the gear and left as a player. But now you're arriving 45 minutes before, you're getting it all set up, you've got to transition in each training, throughout the training session so players aren't standing around. And again, I was probably doing it all on my own too, which was enjoyable because, you know, once you're in control of it, you can set your own times and there's nobody kind of looking over your shoulder. So, they gave me free reign of it, which was fantastic. Um, and my first experience had been in a professional environment from that from that case, been on the other side of it. Um, yeah, like you said, there was a lot of meetings that went on. Um, setting up a weekly plan was taking me maybe two or three hours on a Sunday evening to have all the week planned done out. The way our day normally worked was I would do individual sessions in the morning. So I would take maybe the four defenders or four midfielders or three strikers, whatever way we planned it or whatever, whatever I'd seen from the previous game. If I'd seen something didn't work out, I might pull the four people that were, you know, at fault for it. And then we would correct it and then we'd go off. Well, we'd go for lunch then around 11 o'clock. Um, and then we returned in for the group session about two. 
Um, and then we'd have a gym session most evenings or a recovery session. It was kind of based on on how much the player felt. If they were tired, they did most of the recovery, but other players needed to strengthen up, obviously. So they were given a strength program to follow. So it was no, it was a great environment, professional environment, and uh, it was a fantastic experience. That's excellent. I mean, for that to be your starting point, you know, you're in a really good spot. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, obviously, most of your experience um, prior to that has been through playing. Um, and a lot of times with older players and, and males and men. Um, was there any kind of differences or a transition for you initially trying to coach women? Anything that kind of sticks out? Because for me, I work with um, about 400 people a week. And personally, there are some small differences. But I'd be curious to see on your end for being out on the pitch if you notice anything. Yeah, I think the difference for me, a big difference was coming from Ireland, if any coaching that I did, you kind of have a little bit of a name or some people might know you, especially in men's football. You know, so you're going to have that respect straight away. You know, you don't have to enforce it. People know you're around, you've been a player, you've got that experience. Um, come to Lithuania with a women's team, nobody knows anything about you, you know. And for me, outside football, I'm a smiley, laugh person, very positive, you know, but um, I had to step in and be kind of strict at the start and then set those boundaries and then we can go work from there, you know. And that was a big thing for me because, you know, I would go in and I think it was my girlfriend kind of set me straight after a couple of days, she's like, look, you need to be harder on this. So it was like a big learning lesson for me. But um, in, in terms of the difference between the men and women, I think the women pick up a lot more information easier. You know, I felt, yeah. felt like they were spot the women in the doing it. And obviously the younger girls that worked in Ireland, they were like sponges, you know, any information and they would remember everything. You know, if you could ask them in two sessions time what we worked on in the previous week or the previous two weeks, they could tell you back the whole session. You know, the key points we worked on, where the body shape should be, they could even demonstrate it for you. I think with men, sometimes it gets a little bit more competitive in the session, and then they don't take on board the concept that they're trying to work on. You know, it's more about winning the game at all costs rather than, okay, we've just worked the drill to work on body shape first touch, and we're going to work the ball wide. You know, women will continue to work that ball wide until you reach the goal. Where men, you know, you go two one down, we start looking for a long ball and we play different different styles on it. So for me that's that's one of the bigger differences, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm with you on that. Um it is a detailed oriented. I think they from my experience has been um the feedback has just been better. Um I yeah. I think sometimes it, from a strength and conditioning background, it's ego can sometimes be a factor too, um, which yeah. you don't really see a whole lot. Um, for yourself, as far as the next uh, six, 12 months, obviously we need to keep in consideration like limitations with COVID and, you know, potential there. Um, but do you see yourself in a playing role or a coaching role or, or try and get a blend of both? Yeah, I think that's where, you know, the, 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 the dilemma is at the minute. It's, um, I'm not too sure whether I'm finished playing or I want to continue with the coaching. I really enjoyed the coaching side of it this year, but um, I miss playing too. There was times really where I thought, right, I need to get out for a run, which I did. I kept myself right over the year, but, you know, you, that competitiveness, that bounce off people in training, I think I really, really miss that. And like you said, um, the time goes so quickly and you're probably in your peak from maybe 28 to 30, 32, you know, because you know the game nearly inside out um, and you really want to go out and keep playing because it's a really short career when you look at it 
So I've been offered a position in New Zealand. Um, COVID has kind of put that on the back burner again because of restrictions. But there's an opportunity to go there and to play professionally. Uh, McKenna can go play professionally and I can take up a coaching role in a youth development um, position. So for me, that was a no-brainer about six months ago when I was offered a position. And I was working toward that. We were trying to get the visa and everything sorted. But as you probably know from the news, New Zealand have this COVID thing, you know, under wraps and they've got down to maybe zero or single digit figures, you know. So they put a total block on foreigners entering at the minute. So we're kind of just waiting for that gate to open um, and see if that offer is still there. Because if they push on with the season, obviously it's going to be difficult to try and come in halfway through a year and stuff. But um, for me, yeah, that, that offer was was definitely something I was looking forward to. And I was thinking two years of, of playing at that level might be enough then to satisfy me just moving away from it and heading toward the coaching role as a the permanent position. You know? Absolutely. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Last question for you today. If you kind of look back at where you were 10 years ago or 12 years ago and you're playing youth football um, at home, would you have any advice for someone that's in the same boat now as far as um, what they should do training-wise or education-wise or just big picture to try and get... Because I think a lot of people will actually aspire to be in your position now, you know? Yeah. Well, for me, I don't think I pushed to be a professional as much as I probably should have. I think, you know, our youth team in Bose is probably so good that we didn't need to train as much as, as other teams Um and obviously we were training, some of us were training with the Premier and obviously ourselves was probably training with the 16s at the time. But I feel like there was probably more training that needed to be done. Um, I needed to have targets set on what I wanted. I think it, it nearly has to become an obsession between 15 and 18 if you're going to be, if you're going to make it at the top level. You've got to, you've got to be improving every week and you've got to be critiquing yourself. I was more so happy with how things were going at 17. Um, and obviously, look, a couple of injuries set me back. I'm not going to be too harsh on myself, but you've got to be doing things better. Uh, I don't think I was looking after myself as much as I should have been. Um, the coaching thing really came around full circle for me. For a young player now, I know it's difficult to think about being in a coaching role in the future, but to pick these things up along the way really makes a difference. Instead of, like you said, at 32, trying to finish and then trying to catch up with your coaching badges, I think it's more enjoyable if you, you know, along the way, your, your player career, if you can start on your coaching ladder. So mm-hmm. um, that'd be my advice for, for people, you know. Yeah. Um, just to follow up again, sorry, but um, well, when you had um, more experience on the coaching side, did you find that help with playing at all and kind of understanding concepts or kind of preparing differently than you were before? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I just had this conversation with uh, my partner yesterday. So when I played and I was involved in a drill or a session, I never really uh, brought it out into a bigger picture. So I never brought it out into how I'm going to use this in a match scenario. It was really only when I started to coach, I started to realize, oh, this is why we're doing this session or, or why this can help me or what angle do I need to create here? to maybe create space for somebody else or to help the person on the ball. Mm-hmm. So I was starting to find towards the end of my playing career um, in Ireland, actually when I started to play even better in the League of Ireland was I was only coaching myself through a game. So 
I started to, you know, say, all right, am I, am I in the right space here? Am I in a vertical channel? Am I past the opposition shape? You know, where's my first touch going to go? My scanning became a little bit better of uh, what was happening around me. So, and I was able to help other players on the pitch. I'm sure it, they didn't feel like it was help sometimes because I was probably barking orders at them the whole yeah. time. You just, you know, you see things so much clearer um, when you've seen a bigger picture. Um, and again, if an 18 year old can go in and get their youth cert up to youth cert level um, and they start to learn about shapes and opposition shapes and, um, you know, manipulating the opposition shape, it'll definitely stand them 100%. Yeah, oh, that's a great perspective. Appreciate you sharing that. No worries. Well, Thomas, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Thanks talking to you again. Talk to you soon. Yeah, you too. And that is it for episode 12 of the Training Ground podcast with Thomas Croke. You know, one of the things I enjoyed towards the end, I'm glad he did mention, was the fact that we probably should have trained more growing up. So for anyone that doesn't realize within the episode, uh, myself and Tom, we did play together um, for a couple of different teams growing up. Like he said, we were some really good teams, but we probably didn't put as much work as we should have in there. So rather than being a regional-based team, uh, we could have been nationally competitive every year, but... That was part of the reasoning for me actually moving to America was, you know, that transition period between 16 to 18 where you realize maybe teammates or people aren't taking it as serious as you want to take it. And uh, what's the next best move? You know, England wasn't an option. So I did have some friends and and Crokey had some friends too that came back from America, had a great experience. So that was kind of my move. And uh, obviously he made the move to League of Ireland football. So it, it did work out for us both. If you enjoyed some of these takeaways, uh, please share this episode with some other people or any friends, teammates you think might find it useful. Um, Next episode will be released in two weeks' time again. So next episode will be February 18th, 2021. Thanks for listening.